Hi, this is Richard Swart with Information Security Media Group, publishers of BankInfoSecurity.com and CUInfoSecurity.com. Today, we'll be speaking with Gigi Hyland, who was appointed by President George W. Bush to a seat on the National Credit Union Board effective November 18, 2005. Her term expires on August 2, 2011. When nominated to the NCUA board, she served as Senior Vice President and General Counsel for Empire Corporate Federal Credit Union in Albany, New York. She previously served concurrently as Vice President, Corporate Credit Union Relations of the Credit Union National Association, and Executive Director for the Association of Corporate Credit Unions. Well, good morning, Gigi. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Doing well. Among our audience, we have some of the very largest credit unions as well as ones with only a handful of employees. Could you provide us with some pointers on what is important to the NCUA from an information security point of view? Sure, absolutely. This is an incredibly important topic for credit unions because things are changing, as you know, every day in technology. And I think that credit unions can do a number of things to maintain information security and the risk management processes. And I think it really starts with ensuring that the credit union has a written security policy, which they review and revise periodically. Using that as a base, it's really important for credit unions to complete and annually review the credit union's risk assessment to make sure that they've correctly and holistically assessed not only the internal but also the external threats, which could compromise member information. In addition to that, um, credit unions should ensure that there are access restrictions on sensitive data and facilities. Encryption is another key component that credit unions need to consider, making sure, in other words, that sensitive member information, either in transit or in storage, is encrypted. Dual control procedures are important to implement. That includes segregating duties, making sure that employee background checks not only are updated, but that they're reviewed. Um, monitoring systems to detect unauthorized access to sensitive information are all key components. And then training staff is critical, making sure that frontline staff all the way through to IT staff understands the risk, understands their role in, in monitoring and assessing and preventing the risk to the system. And, you know, that's in addition to that, obviously, the Board of Directors has a, a key role here. The Board of Directors has to review and receive an annual report on security, which describes the overall status of the security program. And that's contained in NCUA's rules and regulations under Part 748. As part of that, the board should really be made aware of any material matters that are related to the security, such as either changes in the risk assessment analysis or changes in service provider arrangements. In other words, if a data processing vendor is being switched out, what does that mean to the overall risk of the institution from a data security perspective? And then what are the results of the testing? Have there been any security breaches or violations? And what has been management's responses and recommendations for changes in the information security program. So credit unions need to take a very holistic view of data security and really um, turn the organization inside out and look at all of the possible contact points and internal threats and evaluate and have policies and procedures in place to try to address those. I wonder if we could focus on external threats for a second. Many credit unions and banks, for that matter, depend on third parties for a range of services. What does the NCUA do to protect this industry from breaches of these third parties? And one thing that's interesting to note is unlike our sister agencies in the FFIC, NCUA does not have a third-party vendor examination authority. We did have that authority uh, during Y2K to make sure that the data processing vendors and other vendors that credit unions utilized were Y2K compliant and that, in fact, were ready for the, uh, the century date change. But that 
uh, authority, which was a legislative authority, actually expired. So NCUA no longer has that. What NCUA does do from a a perspective of protecting credit unions is obviously NCUA is a member of the FFIC, and through that, FFIC um, participates in several examinations of major third-party vendors like American Express, Visa, MasterCard, and NCUA is part of that review. Um, So as NCUA looks at credit unions and credit unions' investments in credit union service organizations, Really, NCUA's only authority is to look at the books and records and um, financial statements, not only of the credit union, but also of those credit union service organizations that those credit unions may be invested in. In addition to that, um, the FFIC has written protocol with those major groups, again, like Amex, uh, MasterCard, and Visa, regarding breaches, so that if there is a major breach, all of the agencies become aware at the same time of potential threats to their particular institutions that they regulate. In addition to that, the FFIC has an event communications protocol, meaning that if one particular agency is seeing issues with a particular vendor, that's communicated to all of the other regulatory agencies so that we have a heads up on potential threats to the institutions that we regulate. Well, given that background information, what would you expect the actual credit unions to do in regard to managing their third-party relationships in addition to what the NCUA is doing? I would, I would call credit unions' attention to all of the letter, not only to credit unions, but also to federal credit unions that we've issued. And they're organized uh, pretty common sense, I guess, on our website in terms of looking at due diligence over third-party service providers. There's one letter in particular that I'll refer you to. It's 01-CU20, and it's called exactly that, due diligence over third-party service providers. And in terms of what's expected from credit unions, the main umbrella is a due diligence review. And what that means is that a credit union has got to think about whether whatever proposed activity they're about to engage in is consistent with the credit union's overall business strategy and its risk tolerances. And then from there, it means as part of the due diligence review, doing what I think are fairly common sense things like doing a background check on the vendor. What's been other credit unions or other financial institutions' experience with that vendor? Do a legal review. Have the attorney or the credit union's attorney take a look at the contract and make sure that it's a um, a win-win and that it's an evenly balanced contract. Make sure that a financial review is is conducted. You know, is this vendor safe and sound from a financial standpoint? Or are their financials look like they're um, going into the red? Take a look at the return on investment. Is it worth contracting with a particular third party in terms of what the credit union is actually going to get back uh, through the relationship? Double-check any insurance requirements. Are there requirements at all? And then once all of that due diligence is conducted, the credit union needs to institute controls either via policies and procedures um, and, and through staff education to really monitor and report performance. In other words, are you getting what you paid for? Did you Were your expectations met in terms of your contract with this vendor, and how is it working out? What's working? What's not working? How are you adjusting along the way if the business model that you created isn't exactly fitting the reality of what's happening in the marketplace? So expecting credit unions to be nimble, to be flexible, um, and to really respond to whatever the changing environment is as they go forward with a contract with a third party. And I think the letters to credit unions that we've issued, not only the one that I referenced, but subsequent ones, have created a, sort of a broad dimension for credit unions to consider, but have left enough flexibility, recognizing that as technology evolves, 
almost instantaneously, critians really have to have that flexibility to be nimble in environment, but to have sort of core principles that they need to abide by. Let's change our focus and look at external threats. And as we all know, the banking industry has seen an overwhelming number of security incidents due to identity theft and phishing attacks and other types of fraud. What advice or words of wisdom would you have based on the available data to the NCUA? What's working? Okay. Um, what's working is education to members, giving notice to members of, on credit union websites and mailings and at meetings and any way that you can communicate to educate members on what is phishing. What are the, what are the new and uh, most threatening uh, types of um, endeavors that folks are undertaking to try to compromise members' information. So the more information that members and consumers have in their hands to really understand what that email may mean that sure looks like it's from the credit union but is asking you for your Social Security number and your bank account number and what does that mean and how should a consumer respond. Education is probably the, the number one way to um, protect member interests and obviously to preserve the reputation of the credit union. I think from credit union's internal perspective, implementing, enhancing, enforcing proper internal controls and better fraud detection policies and procedures is also you know, way up there in terms of um, a best practices list to really prevent financial loss, not only to the consumer but also to the institution. And then um, ignoring and deleting offending emails, both internally as well as encouraging consumers to do that, making sure that consumers don't respond to a phishing message and make sure, again, that they understand what that is. Again, we have a lot of letters not only to credit unions but also to federal credit unions on this matter. I think actually almost every year since about 2002 we've issued an updated letter regarding phishing guidance for credit union members and data security issues for credit unions and um, things to think about in terms of Internet security, in terms of web linking security, in terms of dealing with third-party service providers. Um, I would refer to credit unions to those letters to offer them guidance on what they need to be thinking about. I think that's probably about it. Well, thank you. What about Section 501B of GLBA and the NCUA Part 748, which require that the board members take responsibility for the information security program? What has been the NCUA's experience with board members, and how good of a job are they doing in understanding their responsibility to protect board their members' invaluable information? I think board members understand it because they, too, are consumers. I think, though, having said before that education is critical, management's education of the board on what the new and most popular threats are is critical as well. So, you know, board members clearly need that education on a regular basis to understand how the new threats affect the credit union's operations. And, you know, as part of that, as you know, under, under Appendix B of Part 748, there's guidance that's provided on responding to unauthorized access to member information and member notice and those requirements of Gramm-Leach-Bliley. And that appendix was put in place specifically to, to address the increasing number of security incidents involving unauthorized access. So it's critical, I think, that boards make sure that they understand the requirements both of Appendix A and Appendix B of NCUA's Part 748 of its rules and regulations. But education is really the critical component for boards in making sure that they can be responsive in giving management guidance on what to do in terms of continuing to be proactive and really trying to counter uh, data security threats. Are, are credit unions able to find well-trained information security experts and what skills or gaps are there and what they need and what they're finding? 
Um, you know, it's something that certainly, as part of our risk focus exam, we would look at. And as you, as you may know, our, our exam has been retailored over the last couple of years so that an examiner has the discretion to look at a credit union specific performance and look to see where the risk areas are. And so, I guess if an examiner felt specifically that um, the credit union needed to do a better job in hiring well-qualified folks for IT security and data security, the examiner would note that as part of his ex its exam. More broadly than that, though, I think credit unions, just like other financial institutions, are facing the same challenge in making sure that they hire qualified people, people that really understand not only the operations of the particular institution, but understand what the threats are to that institution and where all the avenues are where a threat could come in the door, um, sort of to use, to use uh, jargon. But uh, you know, cre credit unions are in the same boat as banks, as thrifts, as, as community banks in terms of how can we get um, the best folks working for us to really make sure that our institution is protected from a data security standpoint. Well, Gigi, thank you for your information. Excellent help for our listeners. We certainly appreciate your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for giving NCUA the opportunity to participate in this podcast. I hope it's useful to credit unions. And again, I would refer credit unions to our website, uh, which is www.ncua.gov, for a wealth of information on these and, and other topics that affect their operations. Great information. Well, thank you for listening to another podcast with Information Security and Media Group. To listen to a selection of other podcasts or to find other educational content regarding information security for the banking and finance community, you can visit www.bankinfosecurity.com or www.cuinfosecurity.com.